Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives with your hosts, myself, Colton Cockrell, and Tricia Stetzel. Our goal is to bridge the generational, gender, and life experience gap in business through our unique styles of gathering information from our guests. Now let's get it started. All right, what is going on, everyone? And welcome to a unique episode of Bridge the Gap where we're connecting business perspectives. It's unique because we are on a Facebook Live today because there's a lot of information that we think you should know, especially if you live in Houston and the surrounding area. So my name is Colton Cockrell. I'm a certified financial fiduciary and an independent financial advisor with Sharon McKinley Group. And today uh, we have an incredible guest who has a lot of information about what happened last week. But before we introduce him, no, Trisha, not you. <laughs> I'm talking about, no, come on, I'm talking about Ugo. Anyway, I want to introduce my co-host before we jump into Ugo and just talk about him and really his credentials. So Trisha Stetzel, my lovely co-host, take it away. Hey, Colton, thank you for almost not forgetting about me. You know, that's why I love you. <laughs> hey, everyone, Trisha Stetzel here, Results Extreme Business Solutions, and I am super excited, as Colton said, to bring you something different for our Bridge the Gap podcast today. As a matter of fact, I just reached out to Ugo yesterday, understanding that he is an expert in the area that we want to talk about. So Ugo Eziefule is a local Houston area business owner. Perfect. Since 2011, he has had businesses in the home health, e-commerce, real estate, and small business funding areas. His business focuses on bringing value to individuals and businesses in any way he can. Ugo, welcome to our show today. Thank you for having me, Trish and Colton. How are you guys? Doing good. Fantastic. Yeah, we're, we're excited. So, and, you know, yeah. And all of that being said, the reason why we have Ugo on today is because we want to talk to him about this crazy stuff that happened last week. Colton, I'm going to let you take the first stab at this. You know, I, I think really the best kind of the way to handle this, I think we should just let Ugo talk. So really, Ugo, a lot of people are having questions of, okay, why in the world, if we have summers that go over 100 degrees, we have electricity that's powering our ACs, why is it when it drops in the 20s, when it's below freezing, why in the world are we not having power? What, what, what's going on? How are we using so much power versus how much power we use in summer? Take it away. Let's, let's hear it. Well, um, thank you again. Once again, thank you for having me here. And um, well, all of that starts with how everyone's talking about the grid and what's going on. So first and foremost, um, Texas is in a, in a um, great, well, I would say, well, it is, I, I, depending on where you look at it, a great situation. Basically, there's a national power grid where there's a East Coast power grid, there's a West Coast power grid, and Texas on its own is on its own power grid, meaning Texas pretty much is responsible for distributing energy to everywhere in its state or its territory, which is pretty much the state of Texas, right? So it is separated from the national power grid, right? So that is a great question, Colton. In the summers, we have 100-degree summers. We're able to power just fine. Why did this winter go down so badly, right? Well, the reason for that is because it's not necessarily the production of the energy, it's the distribution of it, getting it from the power plant to your home. So what happened was, was that whenever this winter storm came down, um, a lot of the conduits or whatever is using to transport the energy from the factories to the, um, to the transformed distributors, that, um, that wasn't um, particularly 
prepared for colder weather because like we said we get weather like this once every decade i think they said it's the coldest it's been in the last 30 years we don't get weather like this right so when the weather got that cold it's it, it pretty much hampered the, the the delivery of the energy from um of the energy from the the, the factories to where it needed to go now, a lot of times, you know, when it initially first happened, they were saying that, oh, yeah, it's the green energy and things like that. It's the windmills. They got frozen and things like that. Um, first and foremost, the windmills did not get frozen. The picture that went up was from years ago in another country. But the windmills and other sources did not get frozen. Second of all, that's only about maybe 15 to 20 percent of what produces our energy in Texas. Primarily what produces our energy in Texas is natural gas, coal, and uh, pretty much natural gas, coal, and nuclear, right? Those are what, those are what produces um, um, energy for Texas. So what happened was is in those, in those um, plants and factories, the way of distributing the energy from those factories to um, those residents were, were hampered because, you know, you know, usually you don't feel like moving that fast whenever it gets cold. That's the same thing with electrons and electricity. They're not moving as fast. And it got to a point where they weren't protected that the systems that it uses to get through shut down completely. So that's pretty much what it was in a nutshell. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of good information. And, and Trisha, I literally have about 10 more questions. So I'm going to kind of, if you want to ask a question, go for it. Cause I, I can keep going. Yeah, no. And you know, Ugo, I really appreciate the simplicity behind the way you explain that, right? Because all of us were in the dark. We're like, what's happening? And literally, literally <laughs> wondering what in the world is happening. And I had these visions of these humongous windmills, right? That the wind energy, all these things are frozen and they're not moving, right? <laughs> and like, that doesn't yeah. happen in Texas. What in the no. world? So I... I know, Colton, you want to ask a lot more questions on that end, but I'm really curious about the back end of this, right? So <laughs> now that we're on the back end of this, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about our energy bills are going to skyrocket. So what should we expect? What is true and what's not true? Okay. So I'm going to make this as an analogy like, and I made this analogy with someone else who I was talking with before. Um, it's like with your gas station, right? So Let's say, let's say right now that you have the gas station. Now, remember, the gas station buys fuels from the refineries. The refineries come, that's when you see those huge tankers at the gas station, they're putting stuff on the ground. They give them gas, and then you go to the gas station to go get gas, right? So imagine your energy company, wherever you're choosing, is that gas station. And the great thing about the, the gas station is you can do one or two things. At that gas station, like we have right now, so in a normal situation, Whatever the price is at the gas station, you're going to pay that price at the gas station, right? If it goes up 10 cents next week, you're paying that 10 cents. But imagine if you could go to the gas station right now. Let's say you go to the gas station, I would say last March when gas was like 130. And imagine you could go to the gas station and say, hey, gas station, I like this 130 price. Anytime I need gas, I'm only going to come to you. Can I just pay $1.30 for the next one year, two years, three years? They're like, you know what? Sure. And if you buy gas anywhere else, we're going to charge you. You're like, cool, I'm only going to come here. It's the only place I'm going to get gas. That's basically what a, a fixed rate or a contract is with the energy companies we have here in Houston, right? So the reason why they're able to do that, sorry about that. The reason why they're able to do that is that um, it's just like with any retailer. You buy it from a wholesaler, right? And then, and then you you buy it and then you sell it to customers, knowing that you're going to be covering the cost and making a profit by doing this. Mm -hmm. And that's why 
the reason that the, the, that's why they're able to give you a consistent rate over that period of that contract is because they've done the math and they said, all right, if I give it to you at this rate, no matter how little you use or how much you use, I'm going to make a profit doing this. And that's where they're able to do that. Right. So that is what you call the fixed rate. Now, what happened was two things. First, um, depending on depending on um, who the gas station is. So, you know, Shell, you know, Chevron. Shell and Chevron are like the TXU and Reliance of Texas. These are the two major companies, right? So they have enough money and enough clout, enough reach where if something like this happens, it's going to suck, but it won't bother them that much. But because they have so much clout and things like that, you're not going to get the cheapest gas, right? Sometimes the, the gas prices might be a bit higher, but you know, when other people don't have gas, they're going to have gas, right? What a lot of people did, and it's kind of twofold, what a lot of people did, which, you know, they, they do sometimes, they got the cheapest gas. And a lot of times with the cheapest gas, because um, because the che- they, they got the cheapest gas, those gas sellers, and by gas sellers, I mean energy companies, got the gas from the wholesaler, then they sold it as a profit. And they thought like, all right, I don't have that many customers, so I'll be okay. And I'm buying it at such a low rate, I'm, I can still make a profit, I'm good to go. So when all of this happened, and what happened was, was that A, the energy wasn't able to get to the places they needed to get to, and B, there was a higher demand for it. So the demand went up and it wasn't able to get there. That's why everything shut down. It was a perfect storm of things. So now that there's a, you know, economics 101, higher demand, higher, higher, lesser supply, higher demand, higher price. So now those same smaller suppliers are going back and say, hey man, I need some electricity. He's like, great. It's triple what it was last week. Wait, I'm sorry. What? Like, yeah, if you want us to give us the same energy we gave you last time, it's triple what it was last week. They're like, oh, we can't do that. And that's why you're seeing some energy companies are going out of business because they can't buy that anymore. And they're telling their customers, there's a, I've even seen reports where they're telling their customers, hey, we'll give you $100 just to leave, right? Versus staying with us and all this other stuff. That's, that's how bad it was because they weren't prepared for this. Because again, this is a once in 30 years, this never happens type of thing, right? But the larger companies have, have such a footprint and have so many, they've, they've, they've solidified themselves where, where something like this happens. Like I know an energy company that they put out a pressure and they put out the, the email saying, your prices aren't going to change. Everything's good. If you're on a fixed contract and, and even if you're on a month-to-month contract, right? So that's what happened with some companies. The second tier, the ones that you're hearing about, like people getting a $17,000 bill or like a $7,000 bill. What happened with those was, is that they, they were the wholesalers. You, you hear about energy wholesalers. They're the ones that get it directly from like the refinery type of thing. So whatever price it is that month, whatever price it is that month, that's what they're paying. But the thing is, is that because it's variable, it can go up and can go down. Actually, this sort of happened last summer where uh, I knew a few people that had uh, th- this um, provider, I'm not going to say their name, they had their wholesaler provider, and all of a sudden they, they, their prices went to like 8 or $9 a kilowatt, like in the summer. So 8 or $9 a kilowatt, they're like, what? what's going on? And I educated them on what's going on and went forward from there. This time, it was not 8 or $9. It was 8 or $900 a oh. kilowatt kind of thing. And a lot of the times with those um, wholesalers, they have your debit card. So they just start charging it, charging it, charging it until they get, you know, to the point where, you know, they can't charge it anymore. So that's, so that, that's what happened there. So the, 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 there's pros and cons with that. The pros are 
um, a lot of the times, not all the times, but a lot of the times you can get a cheaper price for your energy by going to the wholesalers, right? When everything's nice and dandy and good. But when there's high demand, higher demand, higher price, that price tends to go up. That's why in the summers, that's why this last week, there was a lot of demand for energy. And that's why those prices went up for those wholesalers. So that's the thing with the wholesalers. And a lot of times with the wholesalers, the rate changes all the time. So it might be cheap one week and not so cheap the next week. And also there's no contract. So you can leave them whenever you want to, right? Versus going to the tried and true gas stations that you signed a contract with for that amount of gas for that. So. Yeah, my goodness. That, that, that's a lot of good information. I know I'm sitting here like, holy cow. Uh, so really, I guess it just depends. I mean, fit, if you're on a fixed plan, you're good. If you're on a variable, you're good, you're plan, good. You're on a variable plan, well, probably need to have a conversation with your... In a, in a couple of weeks, because the variable plans change about once every month, or not once every month, but it depending, usually it's about once every three months, depending on what might happen. That's why they're telling a lot of people, get ready if you're not on a fixed plan, because the next time they change rates, it might go up, because they have to make up for the energy that they used last week or didn't use last week because they're in a situation where usually um, because Texas is on a grid of its own, it doesn't, it's a is not um, at the same regulations as the other two grids, national grids. So that's where you get the flexibility in the free market there. Mm. But when they needed energy, the extra energy because of the storm, it took a lot longer than need be to get that energy. Cause usually it's like, all right, just, I wouldn't say flip a switch, but usually flip a switch, we can get that extra energy. But because it's not regulated, there had to be probably contracts, um, regulations, things like that. Like, all right, if we're going to give you this, this has to go on. And that's probably why it took such a long time for that to go through. So there's pros and cons, like everything else. And Ugo, I'm, it's, I'm sad. I mean, if this is a 20 minute show, Trisha was waving me the 10 minutes left. <laughs> you know, there's just so many more questions. So uh, I'm trying to like just pick in my brain which ones do I want to know the most. So uh, just real quick, just yes, confirm quick. this with the with the water outage. That wasn't necessarily lack of water. That was more of you know the treatment plants being down. They weren't getting energy to the treatment plants that were actually treating our water. Is that correct? Absolutely. So the the, with the water being down. What that was was in order to treat you. We we built our society around energy, around electricity to make things work. So if you want to treat your water, they have to go through a filtration system or treatment system that uses electricity. So not only did they not have electricity, when they didn't have electricity, I guess it was dormant. So you have to A, clean it, or B, fix it, and then get it turned on again. So with that being down, the rolling blackouts, that's where it's just, it's a domino effect. Goodness gracious. Okay, so then now my big question, and again, this is not blame casting, none of that. I'm just curious, everyone is hearing about one specific company. And again, I'm not saying they're to blame or anything. I just want you to kind of talk about what you're, what you know, ERCOT, everyone's heard yes. this name. What is going on? Why, why is that so important? So ERCOT is basically the, um, the third party council that is responsible for taking care of the grid system of your distribution from your energy company to the consumer. So they're the ones responsible of um, uh, regulating or I guess uh, responsible for making sure everyone in the state or in that grid gets energy. So they're responsible for like maintenance, keeping it up, um, prices, um, contracts back and forth between the consumer and the electric, electric companies. They're basically like an overseeing council for uh, the state of Texas when it comes to um, when it comes to energy. They 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 can they determine whether you get a commercial rate if you're a building or a residential rate if you're a house. They're the ones that, that are in charge of all of that. And the thing what happened with ERCOT is, is that from what I've 
heard, and can, I can't confirm this is, is that they were given the option of, hey, your system looks good, but if there's some severe weather, like a really deep cold, you may want to winterize all these things to make sure this doesn't happen. Well, because we're, you know, we get our energy for a good price, and because it's a free market system, I can, I, this is my opinion, this is my opinion bubble. That, does, that doesn't seem like the most economical choice for us, so we're not gonna do that because that has a low chance of happening. And then this happened, and that's when you see the flaws in the system that come out with that. Wow. I know, lots of like nodding heads and shaking of heads and big eyeballs. So- Because yeah, a lot of people, if you, okay. I'm just real, a lot of your friends up north might be Facebook messaging you saying, oh, this never happens here, our weather gets just as bad. That's right, that's great, because you winterize everything. You are prepared for this weather. I always tell them, what if the shoe was on the other foot? What if up north right now, you guys had triple digit, um, triple digit weather for about a week straight? You guys might have some problems there, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of our friends up north, I'm way, way down in South Texas, and we have a small energy company here out in the country. Yeah. And we were on 20 hour bla rolling blackouts. So we basically had uh, power for a couple of hours in the middle of the night uh, for four nights, which was very unfortunate for us, but we had a generator, so we were good. But I'm hearing that people that, uh, you know, are closer to I-10 or closer to the city or even west of the city, they had power the entire time. So do you have any um, any idea or just throw something out there what you're thinking about? Why was it that some of us were on 20-hour rolling blackouts and some people never lost power? The, uh, the reason for that, what I'm thinking is, is that when they have their distribution of um, energy and things like that, they try to make it in a way where places of importance like hospitals or places that need energy all the time or even in a worst case scenario they still they would be the last ones to lose it so i had a friend that uh, they said they live close to transstar so because transstar is so crucial to the transportation system here in houston they said they never lost electricity because they were a part of that grid in that area mm -hmm. so that could be an explanation for why some people never lost power and other people other people lost power sunday evening didn't get it back till thursday they might have been in a place where they were like on the bottom of the totem pole when it came to who needs energy. So <laughs> yeah, that would be us. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I made the joke that, man, if I, if I was a restaurant owner, I would do everything in my power to pay a premium just to be on the same grid as these important. Yeah. Right. These like, uh, <laughs> I saw a lot of people say like, next time I get a house, I'm going to, my first question is going to be, Am I in the same grid as a hospital kind of thing? So, I don't know. <laughs> so Ugo, here's the deal. We got five minutes left and I want to make sure that people um, yes. know who you are. Okay. So first we always do a, uh, you know, a random question out of nowhere. I'm actually not going to do that. I'm going to ask you a serious question because I'm just curious. Uh, okay. Tell me how long did you have no power and water? Well, <laughs> I had no power. Um, it's, it, it varies. So Sunday came on Monday. I had power at my home. My mother did not have power. Luckily, my mother lives close to me about 10 or 15 minutes away. Then on, um, then on Tuesday morning, I had no power and they had power. So then I went to their place to at least help them out. But the thing is, the minute I got there, apparently I brought the blackout. The minute I got there five minutes in, they had no power. So then it started rolling on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I believe Thursday, late Thursday afternoon is when they finally got power full time. But they had blocks on and on for like four four or five hours and off four or five hours. Goodness so. gracious. And water, did y'all have running water the whole time or? We, we had water until I think maybe like early Wednesday, 
And that's when we had to start, you know, rationing water and things like that. So we, we, we were very fortunate. We we're very, I'm very, very grateful, very fortunate. Fortunately, there are tons of people out there that weren't as fortunate as we were. So it's a different situation, again, depending on where you are and what, you know, what, what part of town you were at. Absolutely. And, and Tricia, so just to make sure, because I mean, this is a very important topic and there's probably a lot of people who are watching this and listening to it that normally don't watch our show. So basically our show is geared around uh, taking different generational approaches. So Tricia and myself, uh, obviously we're, we're two different generations and we ask business professionals different uh, we, questions geared towards our generation. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, this really wasn't necessarily a generational topic because this affected everybody and granted it affected everybody in different ways, regardless of your generation. But we always ask these two questions, Trish, and I want you to ask them just because it's always interesting to hear, you know, where you belong and who you identify with. So, Trish, Yeah, absolutely. So, Ugo, uh, if you're willing to divulge, uh, we always ask what generation you are with. From all of the the, the charts and everything, I'm a millennial. Okay. All right. And who do you most identify with from a generational perspective? Oh, that's 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 interesting because my sister is also millennial, but she is one of the first millennials i'll just say that she's one of the first millennials and uh, i'm a few years after her so i feel i mean i feel i get both sides both sides have great points but i feel i i i i relate more to the generation before which i believe would be what gen x no gen, gen x, x? yeah so i feel like I relate more to gen x but millennials but millennials have um they're they're asked like i get millennials when it comes to the debt and things like that i get all that so i can see where both sides come from it's just one of those we all have a lot of things in common we should probably just focus more on that you know so. yeah i love that so in closing the show would you tell us ugo again you're gonna need to spell your name out because this will not only be on facebook live but we're gonna put it on our audio channel as well so spell yeah. out your name and give us your contact information in case anybody wants to reach out and uh ask you any more questions Yes. Yeah, so my name is Ugo, S-E-F-L-A, U-G-O, first name, last name, E, Z as in zebra, I-E-F as in Frank, U-L-E. So you look that up on Facebook. I'll say everyone, when you look it up on Facebook, um, friend the gray suit. Trust me, you'll know when you see it, friend the gray suit. Um, <laughs> also, my email is U-O-E group, like a group of people, L-L-C, at gmail.com if you have any questions there. Uh, my phone number, you reach me directly. My phone number is 713-540-0739. And uh, you can get in contact with me on Facebook um, there. I'm, I'm really, really quick to get back with people. I have this neurotic thing where I can't have unread emails, can't have unheard voicemail. So I'm going to get back to you sooner rather than later. So you can get to me there. And also um, my, my page for more information on that, just other tidbits about other things that we do. Um, if you look at the on Facebook, look up UOE services, UOE space services. It's a Facebook page. Like the page, go there. And if you have any questions, reach me directly. And I'd love to help out anyone in any way, shape or form that I can. Absolutely. Well, Ugo, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Again, we don't do Facebook lives with just anybody. So thank you for being a part of that. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> we appreciated the education and really letting us know what happened. Uh, and hopefully this was a lesson and this won't happen again. So Tricia, do you have any last words? No, Ugo, thank you so much for being with us today. I am so glad that John Bricado introduced me to you a long time ago and that we remain friends uh, and partners in the referral space. So thank you again for being on the show. And this concludes this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. 
Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. If there's a certain professional or profession that you want to hear from, leave a comment in this week's Facebook post. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Colton Cockrell with Sharon McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive, Suite 207, Friendswood, Texas, 77546, phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, Inc. Member FINRA, Pacific. Sharon McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.